This is AgriPulse Daybreak West for Thursday, May 16th. Good morning. I'm Jeff Nally. Here's today's headlines. UC's ban glyphosate. USDA planning up to $20 billion in aid and deeper soaks can save water. University of California bans glyphosate from all 10 campuses. UC Davis will no longer use glyphosate on its campus along with nine other UC campuses, UC hospitals, and the Division of Agriculture and Natural Resources. UC President Janet Napolitino issued a memo on Tuesday to campus leaders ordering a temporary suspension of glyphosate-based herbicides starting June 1. The issue, Napolitino cited concerns about possible human health and ecological hazards as well as potential legal and reputational risks. Napolitino will assign a herbicide task force to determine a long-term approach based on expert review. Exceptions. The memo does exclude ag operations, fuel mitigation for wildfire prevention, habitat restoration, and research on glyphosate. Staff using glyphosate products must now be certified through the California Department of Pesticides Regulation to use over-the-counter glyphosate products and may be required to don safety suits and other protective equipment. It actually started with volleyball. The advocacy group Herbicide Free UC began lobbying the UC president and regents on the issue after volleyball practice one day three years ago. The Cal Beach volleyball coach cautioned students not to chase after their balls because glyphosate had just been sprayed. Two of the athletes took action, and ever since, the courts have been hand-weeded. Next, the student leaders are reportedly pressing to extend the ban to all pesticides listed under Proposition 65. About 200 are currently listed. Now keep in mind, Napolitino also launched the UC Global Food Initiative in 2013 to align the university's research, outreach, and operations and develop solutions for food security, health, and sustainability. With no official statements from campuses, it is unclear how aligned the UC leadership is on the topic of glyphosate. Napolitino has also realigned A&R so the Research and Extension Division would report directly to her office. UC Davis soil scientists published research yesterday showing some soils can store water and help prevent evaporation loss through a deeper soak. Farmers would allow the soil to dry to a calculated threshold before irrigating again. In the news release, Scott Devine, a postdoctoral researcher and the lead author of the research, hailed it as a climate-smart opportunity to make better use of the rain that does fall. The savings? California could fill Shasta Lake six times over 13 years with this regimen, according to simulated models. A caution, drying higher salinity soils like this may transport salts to groundwater supplies in wet years. Also, crops with better water stress tolerance would benefit, while others may have reduced yields. And the takeaway? Well, atmospheric rivers like the one today could benefit savvy farmers and preserve surface water at times when every drop counts. Purdue, no long-term trade damage. Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue is expressing confidence the U.S. farmers won't suffer any long-term damage from the Trump administration's trade war with China. 
Speaking from South Korea on a conference call with reporters, Purdue said his optimism is based on the commitments China has made during negotiations with the U.S. The Chinese have agreed to a significant increase in their purchases of U.S. commodities, he said. Purdue also confirmed that the administration is looking at providing between 15 to $20 billion in additional trade assistance that will include direct payments as well as some purchases of commodities for international food aid. He said USDA is looking at some possible changes in the way payments have been structured under the market facilitation program that was created last year after China imposed retaliatory tariffs on U.S. exports. Purdue didn't provide any details of the possible changes beyond saying the department would seek to address the complaints it has received about the way the payments were calculated. We will look at the history of what happened with the program and try to learn from it, he said. Producers proposing changes to MFP. Ideas are swirling among farm groups on how the next round of MFP payments should be structured. The first iteration of the program was based on 2018 production, but some farmers who had smaller harvests in 2018 complained that it was unfair, and there have been efforts to follow 2017 production as an alternative basis. The National Corn Growers Association wants the payment rate for corn raised higher than the one cent a bushel offered in the first round. South Dakota lawmakers will be appealing to USDA to base the new payments on 2018 acreage and average yield. The National Farmers Union says in a letter to the USDA that the next MFP payments should be based on historical production. Don't miss this. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin said a deal is near with Canada and Mexico on steel and aluminum trade. The issue has been delaying approval of the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement. You can read more at www.agripulse.com. U.S. Dairy wants duties on EU product. The Trump administration wants proposals on how to punish European countries for their Airbus subsidies, and American dairy farmers are stepping forward. The U.S. filed a lawsuit against the EU and several individual countries for unfairly subsidizing Airbus. The U.S. first won its case and then a secondary decision in the World Trade Organization that the Europeans failed to stop the illegal subsidies. Now the U.S. Trade Representative is looking to strike back with countermeasures and National Milk Producers Federation President and CEO Jim Mulhern told the agency on Wednesday it should slap duties on European dairy products as a part of the punishment. We have a unique opportunity to make a big dent in the dairy market access gap we face with Europe, including EU cheesecakes, yogurt, and butter on this list, as USTR has promised, is entirely warranted, and we would encourage you to add additional EU dairy-related tariff lines. The U.S. has a $1.6 billion dairy trade deficit with the EU that thanks to tariff and non-tariff barriers, according to Mulhern. Interior Chief deflects ethics challenges. Interior Secretary David Bernhardt frustrated Democrats on the House Natural Resources Committee who seemed intent at a hearing yesterday on getting him to admit to ethical violations. And not surprisingly, he didn't. Bernhardt has been dogged by questions about whether he has acted while at Interior to benefit some former clients, including the Westlands Water District in California. 
He also said he has been criticized for holding up a biological opinion on the impacts of chlorpyrifos and two other insecticides on endangered species. But Bernhardt insisted at the hearing he has not met with former clients and that industry views didn't factor at all into his decision he made about the biological opinion. EPA is planned to change its process for determining when it must consult with other agencies on the impacts of pesticides on endangered species. This came up, too. Bernhardt was asked whether he's concerned that atmospheric carbon dioxide levels have reached their highest level in human history. At his reply, I haven't lost any sleep over it. Well, that prompted a social media response from Representative Shelley Pingree of Maine, who tweeted, Wow, the nation's interior secretary shouldn't be apathetic about science. The rest of us are losing sleep because we care about the future of our planet, sir. Here's today's He Said It. There's as much chance of having a Green New Deal as snow in July in Washington. The House Agriculture Chairman Colin Peterson, a Democrat of Minnesota, to members of the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. Well, that's Daybreak for this Thursday, May 16th, brought to you by FMC. For the latest news out of Washington, D.C., visit AgriPulse.com. For AgriPulse Daybreak West, I'm Jeff Nally.